Are whiskey notes bogus? The answer might surprise you, but first, my name is Chris, and you are, of course, listening to Whiskey Noobs. I love that line, the answer might surprise you. I was thinking about that like before starting. I always plan out those first couple sentences, and then the rest is just whatever comes to mind. But I was thinking about that, the answer might surprise you. I always found that funny because I'm like, well, of course it might. Anything might surprise me. There are some people who might be surprised when you tell them the sky is blue. That doesn't make it an interesting article. It's just so clickbaity. Anyways, let's talk about whiskey notes, right? So I've seen this on the internet, and I wanted to do a whole episode on it because I've seen some back and forth, not necessarily like argumentative back and forth, um, but just representations of both sides of this argument. And that is whether whiskey notes are bogus or not. And I'm going, I want to talk about the two extremes of this argument and then also some of the versions of it that I've encountered. And then I want to talk about my stance on it and what I believe to be the, the real case as to what's going on. Why, why can we say we taste different things? Everybody has different taste buds. And yet we still, when I do a review, I give notes to you. Why is that the case? And what's been happening on the internet is you've got people on two sides of the fence as to whether whiskey notes are even really real or not. And I think it's a very dangerous argument for the hobby of whiskey because the moment that we say, ah, sure, they're, they're kind of bogus, they're kind of made up, is the moment that it's like, oh, well, then everybody who's ever reviewed a whiskey is full of it. And that's not the case, at least in my opinion. Maybe there are some people who experience that. Maybe there are some people who truly don't experience any flavors and are faking it. And um, I just want to be clear, I'm not one of those people. But let's talk about both sides of the argument here. I want to kind of set it up. And then I'm going to walk through my explanation. And I'm going to do that with a tasting because I, I think it helps to illustrated a little bit. I will of course be tasting monkey shoulder because my bottle's getting kind of low, so I need to I need to get through it and so I thought well, let's use it for this episode. So, let's talk about the debate happening on the internet. Argument 1. And I am going to make a little bit of a caricature of these arguments. I am going to exaggerate them a bit, but you would be surprised the comments that you get on a video, especially a video that does particularly well. I've probably gotten comments strikingly close to these arguments that I'm about to give um, on my videos. So argument one, notes are real. That's pretty obvious, right? The obvious side of this argument is, yes, tasting notes are real. Um, these type of people would say, you know, the distillers even call out what you're supposed to get. So on the distiller's website, they talk about the notes that you should get. And then you got these people who will comment, you know, I taste a, a three-day-old Granny Smith apple that was grown in the Northern Hemisphere uh, under mediocre, moderate lighting, and it was probably harvested on about a 50-degree day. I mean, you you got people who get so, so specific with their notes. And I don't want to discourage that, um, but I want to point out that Yes, that looks ridiculous to the people who are barely tasting any notes. And yes, it can be a little bit ridiculous to those of us who are even tasting notes. The thing is, when you're getting deep into a review, you can, you're getting so into what it's tasting like right now, what it's reminding you of right now. If you're sitting with a glass for 30 minutes, like I do for most of my episodes, or an hour for like a really long in depth review, if you're sitting with a glass that long, 
you are going to start to get very specific. You're going to say, yeah, I think this reminds me of fruit. Yeah, I think this reminds me of an apple. Yeah, this definitely, it's more of a sour apple than it is a sweet apple. It's like a Granny Smith apple. Yeah, it's like a Granny Smith apple. I would never get specific enough to say where that Granny Smith apple was grown, but you get the idea. And so you've got these people who give these very, very detailed descriptions on the internet. And I think it gets taken out of context a little bit because they're almost like whiskey's very own Bible thumpers where people see this very extreme version of it and they think that's what all whiskey drinkers are like. And um, that is kind of what it reminds me of. Because then you've got these people who are, maybe they're newer to whiskey and they're barely tasting notes. Maybe they're brand new to whiskey and whiskey doesn't really taste like anything. It just tastes like it burns. And they read this and they're like, how could this not be made up? Because in the wrong context, it totally reads like, how could that not be made up? And so that type of a review, when taken in the incorrect context, I want to be clear. Of course, I was making fun of that that description a little bit. But I can be this type of person when I get deep enough into a long review. But when taken out of the proper context to a newer person or somebody who doesn't really know whiskey, it looks like obviously this is fake. Obviously this person is making this up. And I get that. I totally see where that person is coming from. As I mentioned, I can see where the argument one person is coming from. I I have done reviews where I've gotten very specific. There's probably even some episodes of the show that maybe some of you have been listening since the beginning can look back and say, yeah, you got really deep into this review. You got very specific. But this show is the context where I do that on purpose. I take very deep dives into whiskeys on my review episodes because that is the purpose of those review episodes. And I want to illustrate how specific of flavors you can get if you really sit in and basically meditate on a glass of whiskey. But then you've got the argument too, folks. <laughs> and so their argument, and I get these people a lot because when you have a video that does well enough that people who aren't into whiskey are seeing it, you get this a lot. You get notes, whiskey notes, whiskey flavors. Those are bogus. You're making this up People like to make them up to make themselves sound cool, to sound macho. You make up all these flavors so that you seem like this tough guy who drinks whiskey. Uh, there isn't any use in giving reviews. There's no use in you giving out these notes because everyone's palate is so different that there's no correlation between what I taste and what you taste. That is, That even comes from people who are into whiskey sometimes. They say, you know, okay, I get it. Yeah, you're tasting these things. But everybody's palate is just so different. Everybody has different taste buds. There's no correlation. There's no reason that you should say what it's tasting like. You get that from the whiskey community. And from outside of the whiskey community, you get the you're making this up guy, the the guy that's like, you're definitely not tasting that. You're definitely making this all up. And so those are almost two arguments within argument two. And, And argument two in general is summarized as whiskey notes are bogus. Whiskey notes either don't exist or they do exist, but they're so highly individual, so highly subjective that there's no sense in even talking about them. And I think argument two is the more dangerous one uh, for certain because I think argument two lends itself to people, even like myself, even in a position like myself with the podcast or the social media, 
giving off the impression like, okay, yeah, you're right. They are, they're, they're so specific that don't, don't worry about what I just said. Um, but worry about whatever it is that you're tasting. Uh, but this is what I'm tasting. And it just, it just is what it is for me. And that can lead you down a road to, if everybody tastes something different, then this all, you know, it seems innocent enough to say, oh, sure, I taste caramel and you don't because we're just different people. And uh, this whiskey just must not objectively taste like that. It must just taste however it tastes to you and me. That can lead you down a dangerous path into, okay, then how can any one whiskey be better than another? How can there be the whiskey of the year or whatever? How can there be these competitions? How can one whiskey cost more than another if they all are just so subjective that it doesn't matter whether or not it's it's more expensive or not? It doesn't mean it's going to taste better because everybody's palate's so different. And of course, you get little bits of that. Of course, you get the people who hate Blanton's and the people who would pay $300 for Blanton's. You do get some of that, but heading down that road, especially when seen by somebody who's not into the hobby can really make the people say, ah, I knew it. They're just making it all up because they want to see macho. Now, obviously, I gave the extremes, and most of us land in the middle. But I do want to talk about my stance on this a little bit. And first of all, to the people who say we're making this up to see macho, if I was making up what a whiskey tasted like to sound manly, I probably wouldn't say sugar, apples, cotton candy. I would probably say black pepper, gun smoke, black powder. It smells like fireworks going off. Like I would not say wimpy type flavors. That how is it macho to like something that tastes like candy? To like something that tastes like a dessert? I don't think that's macho at all. And I'm the one trying to convince you that it does taste like those things. So that argument right off the bat is right off the table. But I have a pretty specific stance on this because I spent a lot of time thinking about it. I've released some videos on it on, on Instagram and on TikTok. And in my opinion, it as most of the case, as with most arguments, it lands somewhere in the middle. But I think it's important to be careful about how we talk about it. But the reason that I think it lands somewhere in the middle is because whiskey does not have any of the things in it that we're saying it tastes like. If I eat a caramel and I tell you this caramel tastes like caramel, then you know 99% of the populace is going to agree that that caramel tastes like caramel. But if I eat, for example, a mystery-flavored sucker, mystery-flavored gum, I remember whenever I was in like middle school, I think it was Stride came out with their mystery gum. Somebody let me know if I'm wrong, but I think it was Stride. And there were fierce debates in like middle school about what the flavor of that mystery was. And I just think that goes to show what it is that I'm trying to get at. So because it's not containing any of the actual things, we are open to interpretation. We are open to what it reminds us of. And when we're doing a whiskey tasting, we are doing exactly that. We're talking about what the whiskey reminds us of. When you're tasting a mystery gum, you're talking about, it kind of reminds me of this flavor of gum that I had, and it kind of reminds me of this one that I've had. Maybe it's kind of a mixture of the two. That's what we're doing when we're tasting whiskey. It doesn't actually have caramel in it. It doesn't actually have any of those things in it. So we're just saying what it reminds us of. But, and here's where it's very important to be clear. 
when they formulated Stride Mystery Gum, they said, we're putting this much of this flavor in it, this much of this flavor in it or ingredient or whatever to make it taste like this. That is the case, okay? That is also the case with whiskey. The difference with whiskey and the thing that makes it hard is when you formulate a whiskey, you don't say, I'm going to put, I, the, the palate is going to come out as 60% caramel, 20% oak, 10% black pepper. You can't do that. And so it's open to extra interpretation that the, the stride gum metaphor that I was really elaborating on, and I didn't even have in my show notes, uh, you really are open to more interpretation than you are with that stride gum, let's say. And so it brings you into this weird place where, of course, everybody's palate is different. And of course, it's going to remind everybody of something different. But also, at its base, Jack Daniels tastes like Jack Daniels, right? Like, I think we can all agree that these whiskeys taste like something. And if it tastes like something then how can it be a lie to say that it reminds me of something else? That is my kind of stance on it. And I'm going to solidify that with an actual whiskey tasting here in a second. But to kind of summarize what it is that I just said. So we are open to interpretation because it doesn't contain any of the ingredients that we are saying it tastes like. And it's not even an exact science in this day and age to where we can say, well, if I put it in this barrel and I use this mash bill and I use this percentage of uh, corn and this percentage of barley I'm, and I put it in that barrel, I'm going to get this ratio of flavors. I'm going to get a, a 50% caramel flavor and a 20% cinnamon flavor. We don't have that science yet. I doubt we ever will. Whiskey is always rode the line between science and art. And because we don't have that science, we are open to our own interpretation. Because we're open to our own interpretation, of course we're going to disagree. Of course I might say caramel, you might say brown sugar. But at the end of the day, we're all looking at the same painting and seeing it a little bit differently, right? We're all looking at the same art and seeing it a little bit differently. I might say brown sugar, you might say caramel. Whatever that flavor is that reminds me of brown sugar you're tasting that same exact flavor. You're just saying it reminds you of caramel. And this becomes glaringly obvious when you do reviews with other people. Um, This was not obvious to me until the podcast when I started doing reviews with Justin and Zach and Bryce and I started having guests on the show and I'm doing these reviews and I say the brown sugar and they say caramel. And that's where we came up with, I don't even remember what episode we came up with this in, but I said, you know, I almost think that caramel is a scale from brown sugar to butterscotch, where you can lean more on the brown sugar side or you can lean more on the butterscotch side, but all of that is kind of like a version of caramel. And we talked about that in the one episode very early on. And that's where I kind of came up with that because I realized, oh, we're, we're talking about the same thing. We're tasting the same thing right now. We're just describing it differently because there is no manual for this. There is no, oh, yeah, you're supposed to taste this. You're supposed to taste that. And that leads me into the notes that they say you should get. I really try to walk the line with the notes that they say you should get because do I think there are flavors that monkey shoulder I'm about to taste? Do I think there are flavors that it has? Absolutely. Do I think there are flavors that are are truly every time you taste it, those flavors are there. Maybe your palate's a little bit different. Maybe you interpret it a little bit differently, but those flavors are there. Absolutely. But distillers 
are going to use this against you or they're going to use it maybe not against you maybe that was a little bit too harsh they're going to use it in favor of their wallet they are going to make their whiskey seem more interesting than it is and i think that this is probably where this rift grew in the in the whiskey community where people within the whiskey community started saying notes are maybe not bs but so subjective that it almost doesn't matter I think that's where that started is because people started to read the distiller's notes and say, well, I don't agree with those. And they thought, well, maybe maybe notes really are just so subjective. But you have to remember that distillers have a, a monetary incentive to make their whiskey sound more interesting than it is. I can't tell you how many times I've had a whiskey that it's white sugar, man. It, it's got just this general sweetness and they call it vanilla or caramel or maple syrup. And I'm like, no, it's not that. It's just, it's just sweet. Distillers dress it up quite a bit, some way more than others. And sometimes it's very obvious. You've got, you know, a full paragraph there. And I'm not even saying that they're being totally dishonest because it could be that they sat down with the whiskey for an hour and a half and came up with all these notes. But that's not what your average person is going to taste. That's not what I mean when I say the core flavors of it. You don't really need an hour to write down all the core flavors, the, the core flavors of a whiskey. That's why at the end of a lot of my episodes, I wrap up with, okay, here's my, here's my general thoughts. Quick three-part review. Nose tastes like this. Palate tastes like this. Finish tastes like this. So speaking of which, I'm going to get into this monkey shoulder. I'm not going to do like a full review like I do on review episodes. I'm just going to demonstrate what it is that I'm tasting, how you might interpret it, and I'll even bring up Monkey Shoulders notes to say what they say it is and how it's a little bit different for me. So if you'd like to hear the full review of Monkey Shoulder, I do have it in episode 16 of Whiskey Noobs, a very early episode of the show where I talk about Monkey Shoulder. But if you're newer around here, Monkey Shoulder is a blended scotch whiskey that I very much enjoy. Super welcoming to newer folks um, and just has overall enjoyable, sweet notes. I actually forgot on Monkey Shoulder's website, they don't give specific notes. So I looked up my old show notes and grabbed some notes that I pulled from reviews that I read about in preparation for the episode. Because I always like to try to have somebody else's perspective. And that's why I like to try to have somebody else's perspective is because we do disagree a little bit. And sometimes it gives me perspective. Now, Monkey Shoulder's notes to me. I've had Monkey Shoulder many times, so I don't really need to taste it in order to tell you the notes that it gives me. But I will happily taste it again because I very much enjoy monkey shoulder monkey shoulder is a blend of different malts so it's a hundred percent malt and it has the strong honey grainy notes that you expect from a hundred percent malt a little bit of maybe like a, a just a, a very slight touch of spice that keeps it a little bit interesting and then as I always say, it gives me strong citrus notes it reminds me of citrus maybe like an orange maybe like a clementine. And that little touch of spice keeps it interesting. But now, if I were to give you the core notes that I think Monkey Shoulder has, I would say it has a form of sweetness that to me is more pale than like a maple syrup or a caramel, so I call it honey. It reminds me like a honey. It doesn't have these deep, dark, caramel brown sugar notes. It's got these nice, light honey notes. So I would say honey. And then I would say it's got just a touch of a spiciness, a touch of baking spices, nothing like a bourbon where you're getting strong bakery notes, just a touch of these baking spices that are almost like, like vanilla cinnamon and like a little bit of like a creaminess to it. 
you're getting a little bit of that. And so for the second note, if I'm just trying to boil this down to bare bones, I'd say it's got honey. It's got a touch of baking spices, not very much, just a little bit of baking spices. Then I would say that it definitely has a little bit of a granola-y taste that you get from maltiness, that I typically get from maltiness. You could even just call this maltiness, and I will because I'm boiling this down so much. So we've got honey, we've got a touch of baking spice, and we've got maltiness. And then, of course, the note that I always say I get from Monkey Shoulder is strong orange citrus. It gives me a a good, and not just orange citrus, like when I say citrus, you might think, well, maybe it's lemony then. It has less of the citrus and more of the orange. It's not like bitey. It's not like sour. It's a little bit just orangey. And so if I had to boil it down to all those notes, I would say it's honey, it's baking spices, it's maltiness, and it's orange. That is what Monkey Shoulder reminds me of. And I think if you try it yourself, you might have a different take on any of those notes. I said honey. Maybe you'll say white sugar or maybe you'll say light caramel. Maybe you'll say butterscotch. But you'll see how we are tasting the same thing. We're just saying it differently. And so I want to run through some of the other notes uh, that I have seen before. Uh, And some of these are pretty similar to what I said. Some of them are pretty far different, actually. So the first one that I got was fruity orange aromas and mellow vanilla notes. Um, I didn't say a lot of vanilla, and I kind of stand by that. I don't get too much vanilla. There's definitely some baking spices in there. But I can see why you would say vanilla, because I noticed, you notice I said creaminess. It almost reminds me of like... um, baking spices in this bit of creaminess, kind of like eggnog, but eggnog is such an extreme example that I don't want to say that. Um, But then the next note that I have says nose of fruit, vanilla, and spices. Fruit is pretty vague. If you're not talking about orange, I disagree with you. If you you say a different fruit, I disagree with you. But also, depending on your palate condition, maybe you are getting a little bit different of a fruit. But for me, I stand by it's orange. Uh, vanilla and spices, once again, I mentioned I, I get a little bit of spiciness. Now, this next one's pretty different, but you can really see how it relates to everything that I said. So the next note that I have is malt, creamy, I said both of those, but berries and butterscotch. Now, you can see how that's different from what I said. I do not get berries from Monkey Shoulder by any means. But if we're looking at it for what it is, you're getting a fruitiness, And then butterscotch, you're getting a sweetness that's not quite as basic as white sugar. I say honey. I I argue that it's honey more than butterscotch, in my personal opinion. I think I get more of like a honey that's the, the slight paleness and lightness that honey brings versus butterscotch to me is more of a deep sweetness. But you can see how those things kind of relate. And so where they're saying berries, I'm saying orange. I can understand somebody saying berries because as I mentioned the orange is less citrus and more orange I always say citrus I always say like orange or citrusy orange because that's what I'm used to saying but the orange is less of a sour like like a biting into a lemon and more of the flavor that an orange has that a lemon does not it's a little bit more of that and so I can see why you'd say berries if you were doing a review with a different perspective because berries are pretty far cry from lemon, but they're not that far from the part of the orange that is not lemon. And so I can see that. Um, The next one I have, fruit slash citrus and oak. I was surprised when I read this because I don't remember these notes. They were episode 16. It's been a pretty long time. Um, 
And I was surprised that it said oak because I'm so used to bourbons that this almost doesn't taste like oak to me at all. Um, I get almost no oakiness and I did just have wood for double oak before this, but almost no oakiness from the monkey shoulder. And so you can kind of see, hopefully, hopefully I've illustrated a little bit how me and all of these people, this is almost better that it's not the monkey shoulder notes because I pulled these from multiple different reviews and all these people have all said something different and I have said something different from what they said. We all said something different, but when I read them all in a row, you're like, oh, you all said the same thing because you're seeing all the overlaps. You're seeing that with the first person, I agree with the oranginess. Um, with the second person, I agree with the spices. With the third person, I agree with the malt and the creamy. And with the fourth person, I agree once again with the citrus. So there are similar flavors at its core. Yet each one of those reviews, those bullet points I read you, they were all different. Otherwise, I wouldn't have even put them in my notes. They were all slightly different. You've heard me make this analogy before. I will probably make it a plenty more times throughout this podcast. Drinking a whiskey with one specific palate condition at one specific temperature with or without ice on any given day, you are looking at a painting from one angle. You are looking at one piece of the puzzle. To fully understand a whiskey, you need to try it all the ways. You need to try it in all the palate conditions, which just is not possible because your palate's constantly changing. You need to try it on all these different days, all these different times in order to fully understand the full puzzle. And most of us will never do that for any whiskey because it's just, like I said, it's not really possible. Your palate's always changing. But at the end of the day, those are all pieces to the same puzzle. And that's the point that I want to drive home. And I hope if you take anything from this, it's the newer folks I hope are taking from this okay, if I'm not tasting notes, they're not totally made up. This guy hopefully isn't just blowing smoke, which I promise I'm not, but what's my promise worth? I'm just a stranger on the internet. Hopefully, if you're newer, that's what you're taking from it, that with practice and discipline and learning to enjoy whiskey, you can taste notes. You can taste actual distinct notes in a whiskey. Hopefully, if you're more experienced and you're listening to this, for the more experienced guys, I hope what you're taking from this is, okay, if I was on argument one or argument two, if I was on either side of that fence, I hope you kind of see the other side of it. If you are, know this definitely tastes like a Granny Smith apple that was harvested three days old in the Northern Hemisphere on a 50 degree day. If you're that guy, hopefully you say, okay, I get it now. Not everybody is, we're both tasting that note that I'm calling that three day old Granny Smith apple, but I'm calling it that and you might call it something different. But hopefully if you're the argument two guy and you're like, everybody's palate's different, there's no sense in even giving notes, there's no sense in even talking about notes because we're all going to taste something different. I hope that you see that we are all tasting the same thing. We're at the end of the day, and you know, this is obviously doesn't fully apply to single barrels or small batches because this, the different barrels and different batches will taste a little bit different. That's adding a whole other layer to this. But I'm talking about whiskey in general. When you drink monkey shoulder... We are tasting monkey shoulder. If you're drinking the same batch as me, we're tasting the same stuff. But we're all going to have a slightly different take on it because our palates are slightly different. And at the end of the day, we're all, to some level, guessing. 
And when we practice, when we do more reviews, we get really good at guessing. We get really good at saying, oh, I think this tastes like orange. And you look up monkey shoulder and, you know, nine out of 10 reviews say orange. And it's like, okay, then I think I'm onto something. But if you've been in the, the hobby long enough, you know that there are overlaps of most people's reviews. Or at the very least, if I say caramel and you say butterscotch, I hope that you can concede, okay, we're both tasting the same thing here. It just reminds you more of caramel. It reminds me more of butterscotch. Maybe in my life, I've eaten more butterscotch and you've eaten more caramel. A great example of that, real quick to wrap up here, is that I say green apple a lot of times when the flavor is maybe pear, and I almost never, if ever, ate pears as a kid. I had to learn what pear tasted like kind of as an adult because I hated pears as a kid. And so on probably in a few different episodes, actually, if you go back, you'll hear my guests say pear. I, I distinctly remember this happening with Zach. I just don't remember which episode it was where he says pear. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that is what it is. I just never really ate pears, so I wouldn't have even thought to say that. Our life experiences are going to totally change what it is that we say. And so I might say green apple, and then you might say pear, and I might say, oh, yeah, that is it. And you've probably heard me do that dozens of times with different notes when somebody says something. So the answer totally lands in the middle. Are whiskey notes bogus? Yes and no. My notes might seem bogus to you, but core flavors that are in the whiskey are are in the whiskey. They're there. They're not mixed in physically with a spoon, but the whiskey has a character to it. Hopefully, I bridged that gap of that argument a little bit because it it hasn't heated up to where it's a super hot, super um, frustrating argument between different parties, at least from what I've seen on the internet, but it definitely has started to get into the dangerous waters of where we've almost got whiskey people saying, oh yeah, it is all bogus. And then that makes me wonder, did you ever taste flavors or were you making it up? If you're a whiskey person and you're saying, oh yeah, you know, notes are bogus, we all taste something totally different. And I'm like, I don't know if you were ever really tasting it. And I hope that doesn't come across too harsh. There's nothing wrong with not tasting it. As a matter of fact, if you're having problems tasting the notes boy, do I have a podcast for you. (laughs) Go back to the beginning, listen to this podcast. Hopefully it helps you out. Check out all the social medias because I give a lot of tips to people who ask specific questions on the social media, on um, Instagram and TikTok. So whiskey notes in general are not totally bogus. I think that most whiskeys have a character to them that is recognizable and, um, If you don't believe me, just read a bunch of different reviews of the same whiskey and you'll say, oh yeah, these people disagree on the exact notes, but they're basically saying the same thing in a bunch of different ways. I don't think I can beat this dead horse anymore, so I will happily step off of my soapbox, but I hope, especially for the newer folks, especially if you've been seeing this debate online, I hope you got something valuable out of this episode. Um, And also this little mini review of Monkey Shoulder, if you're newer to the show and you haven't heard me talk about it before, I absolutely love it for new folks. Um, You might find it too boring. If you're more of a punchy bourbon type of person, you probably will find it too boring. But if you're the type of person like me who likes the bourbons, who likes the scotches, who likes punch sometimes likes boring sometimes monkey shoulder it's not boring it's just sweet it's easy to drink it's citrus it's very nice so hopefully you enjoyed that review of monkey shoulder as well this episode seems to illustrate more than any other episode if you want to learn how to drink you've got to drink to learn 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you like the show, please make sure to leave a five-star rating or review to help grow the show and get the word out. You can also find more Whiskey Noobs content on Instagram at whiskey underscore noobs and on TikTok at whiskey noobs podcast. If you want to drink right along with me, make sure to join the email list by sending an email to whiskey noobs podcast at gmail.com with a subject line saying email list. You will receive monthly emails with a list of the whiskeys that will be featured throughout the month so that you can buy them ahead of time and drink right along with the show. Once again, thanks for listening to this episode. The Whiskey Noobs podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol.